drinking. So I always say you gotta have a bigger why, and nine times out of ten, that bigger why is something that they face, and despite uh, what they're going through, they choose to train because. It's almost like a cathartic release. It, it almost allows them to get through it. it. It can get out aggression. It can get out pain. It can allow them to face, you know, whatever it is that they're going through in their lives. And then on the other side of it, if they realize it or not, subconsciously, they're actually working through physically what they need to sort out emotionally and mentally and all this stuff. And they come out on the other side and oh, my gosh. This has nothing to do with what my body looks like. This has everything to do with me learning how to face real life, hard situations in a better way. Hi, I'm Pete McCall. Welcome to this episode of All About Fitness. That voice you heard in the beginning is Amber Dwadzite Rapasta. Amber is a coach, personal trainer, and athlete based out of South Florida. She's not the normal person I would interview or Let me put it to you this way. Amber and I don't have a relationship, a personal relationship, before this conversation. A lot of times on this podcast, I kind of get stuck in this this track where I have conversations with people I know. I seek out people I know or people I at least I've heard about in the industry. Amber came across across my desk as a potential interview, and I was blown away. This is a young woman who was a top model. She She was doing a lot of modeling work and decided to step away from it. And go out and compete in a very tough sport that a lot of people, a lot of adults, let alone women, just wouldn't have the fortitude to compete in. And that's really an indicator of her attitude, her fortitude, and her mentality as she approaches fitness. Amber doesn't want to be somebody who just goes to the motions and says, yeah, listen what I say. She wants to lead by example. The conversation on this episode is a tremendous amount of fun. Somebody I didn't know, we, we totally hit it off. I enjoyed hearing about her background, enjoyed hearing about her athletic background. Most importantly to me is hearing about the people that motivated her and hearing her, I guess, her why, why she wants to help people. She's out there as a coach trying to help other people, especially women, elevate their game and get into a fitter lifestyle. Fun conversation today. Amber Dodds, White Rapasa, you're going to have a ton of fun. But you know how this works. First of all, to those of you who have left reviews, who have given me great reviews, thank you so much. We're trying to get a lot out on this podcast, so you know what to do. You know how the review system works. The more reviews we get, the higher up in the search rankings. So if you haven't done it yet, please do so. Take a moment, pause. I'm fine with that. Pause. Give it a review. However you listen to us, iTunes, Stitcher, give us a five-star review. That's all I ask for. Now, get on to a couple of reads here. First of all, if you want to learn more about information about exercise, if you want to learn about exercise, if you want to learn how to design your own programs, if you are tired of doing the same thing over and over again, pick up a copy of my book, Smarter Workouts, The Science of Exercise Made Simple. I've been teaching personal trainers now for almost 20 years. The information I teach personal trainers around the world is in Smarter Workouts, and you can use it to use exercise to give yourself a better life. That's my approach to fitness. Fitness is freedom. If you're fit, you have choices. That's one of the things Amber and I talk about on our interview today. The link is below in the show notes, Smarter Workouts, The Science of Exercise Made Simple. You can buy my book anywhere you can buy books, and we know that where that is online. Another great product you should look into is the TerraCore. Now, I've been involved personally with the TerraCore for a couple years. That's because when I saw it, I knew immediately it was a killer fitness product. I don't get involved with a product unless I know that it can help people reach their goals. 
The Terracor can be used as a bench. The Terracor can be used as a balance device. The Terracor blasts many of your core muscles in a variety of ways you did not think was possible. If you're looking for a great piece of equipment to use in the gym, or if you have a home gym that you're trying to set up, understand that Men's Health voted Terracor one of the top 25 products for your home gym. Go to TerracorFitness.com, T-E-R-R-A CoreFitness.com to find out one of the latest, greatest products that you should have. Use code AAF10, that's AAF10, to save 10% on the purchase of a Terracor. Another great product. Now, folks, I've been, I don't have a formal relationship with it, with this company. I just like their products, so I'm more than happy to promote them on my podcast. The sand bells and soft bells are two of the pieces of equipment I recommend in my book, Smarter Workouts. That's why I'm promoting them. I don't really get anything from them. I don't. I just like soft bells and I like sand bells. Sand bells are neoprene. There's kind of a cross between a sandbag and a medicine ball. You can do a ton of different stuff with them. Soft bells are sand bells that can turn into dumbbells, kettlebells, barbells. You can do a variety of different exercises, any type of exercise you want to do with both soft bells and sand bells. Go to hyperware.com, that's H-Y-P-E-R-Ware.com, and use code AAF10 to save 10% on the purchase of any Hyperware product. I'm Pete McCall with All About Fitness. Today I'm speaking with Amber Dwadzite Rapasta. Does that even come close to getting that last name right, Amber? <laughs> it's a hard one. It's Dwight Rapasta. Dwight Rapasta. No, I appreciate that. So what we're talking about today is we're talking about strength training. And your background as an athlete, what you're, you competed in the NCAAs in track and field, correct? Yes, I did. I was a steeplechaser. As, as a what? A steeplechaser. It's steeplechaser. And what is steeplechaser? For people that not, might not be listening, and I'm going to come back to that in a second, but what is steeplechase? So steeplechase is a 3,000-meter track and field uh, race, and it is every lap you have four barriers. They're largely barriers. They're 400-meter meter hurdle heights. So it's a hurdling race over the course of almost two miles with a six-foot water pit after two of the barriers. So essentially what you're doing is you're running a long-distance race, hurling, and then also catapulting yourself uh, over six feet of water. That, and that's pretty interesting because the reason why I asked that for listeners is steeplechase has been an event for years, but it sounds very similar to obstacle course racing, correct? Right. Did you ever do any OCR, like as, since you have that background in, in competitive um, I did. Track? I did, actually. Um, I ran Spartan uh, in California, and... I made the mistake. I was, I was, I mean, I was intimidated. I'm not even gonna lie. So coming from a track background, you know, I just kind of showed up to this race and I was like, man, these people look like beasts. And so I'm, my mistake was that I did not put myself in the elite heat. So mm-hmm. what ended up happening was I started later in the day, and I ended up lapping a bunch of the people in the heat in front of me. Had I been in that elite heat, I think that I would have absolutely killed it. Um, so I won that race and, um, for my heat, but I, I should have really challenged myself, but I chickened out. I was a big, I was a big baby. Well, it's a, new, you know, it's a new thing. It's a new event. You hadn't done it before. Um, is it something that you'd, you'd like to – well, first of all, I'm going to take a step back. You're a badass athlete, yet you say you're intimidated. What what was intimidating about your first OCR? Because I want to come back to that. Because for somebody as fit as you are to be intimidated by something, I think it's important for listeners to hear how do you when you are intimidated, how do you approach that? So 
So I think that this is one of the biggest misconceptions, and I have conversations with people, and, you know, I'll talk about like, certain things that I'm moving forward into and, you know, how, you know, I have to face a lot of fear regardless in moving forward in business, things I've never done before. You know, fear is a, a very natural mechanism whenever we're facing something um, that we're unsure of and that, that we've never done before. So. It's not something that only certain people face. Everybody faces fear on a regular basis. It's just how you handle it. So at that point in time, coming from my background, I only race to win. So I wasn't sure. I had never done an off-road course race before. I wasn't sure, you know, how fast they were going to go. I wanted to, like, get in there and kind of feel it out and then say, okay, from here, I know how to train. I know that these are my weak points. And now when I enter into that elite heat, then, then I can go for it and, and I can at least place in that top percentile like I want to. So it was kind of like a, a little bit of an experiment, experiment for me. But, um, yeah, looking back on it, I shouldn't have went for it, but I let that fear get the best of me. Well, do you think that people let – I mean, it's interesting to hear your approach to, to something new. Do you think that, like, when it comes to fitness and exercise, do you think that sometimes – people might get intimidated and that keeps them from starting an exercise program? 100%. I, you know, I work with uh, a lot of female athletes from all over the world and that first step is sometimes the most intimidating thing that they'll ever face. So I always just tell them, hey, all you have to do is get there. If you get yourself to that uh, setting that you're going to train in, if you just get on the treadmill and you just walk on it and you just watch how other people are training and you just get yourself in that environment, hey, that's a big win for me because you've got there. It's when you don't put yourself in the position to even start, that's when you get yourself into trouble because you've taken yourself out of the game completely. So I, I want them to get in the game. I don't care if, you know, they, they play their best or they have the best workout ever. I just want them to get in that setting where the next time they feel a little bit more confident to try a couple a couple of things. And that's like when I write my program, I make things simple but challenging so it's not, and there's no really, uh, no gym equipment needed. So if they want to make that first step in the privacy of their own living room, they're totally equipped to do that. So it really helps people take that first step, not take themselves out of the game with the whole like uh, overwhelming idea of getting into a big gym Setting. So um, that's why I kind of structure things that actually works. Well. And that's you know that's good to hear. So I think a lot of people need that assistance of just that kind of that confidence to take that first step. In your years as a trainer, um, I'm gonna pause for a second. Here's a little, little feedback. In your years as a trainer, what has been the most powerful? Like what what gets people on the road to transformation? Like you, the re- the reason why I ask that question is because I think people need to, to flip a switch. If you know what I mean, they need to flip the switch internally. What have you seen? What what tends to work in your experience to help people flip that switch of where exercise becomes something they have to do to something they want to do? You know, unfortunately, people have to encounter something that kind of uh, confronts them in a really, really powerful way. And when they go into something and their why is, I want to have a six-pack and I want to have great legs and I want to build a butt that I'm really proud of. All those things are amazing to start off with, but that's not a big enough why to keep you going. I've had a lot of athletes that have started off 
they've you know, gone through a divorce or family member has passed away. They've gone through some real hard stuff. And they realize at the end of the day, okay, when I face these really difficult things, having a six-pack is not going to help me through it. Having a six-pack is not going to hold me at night when I'm wondering what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. You know what I mean? So I always say you got to have a bigger why. And nine times out of ten, that bigger why is something that they face and despite uh, what they're going through, they choose to train because it's almost like a cathartic release. It's, it almost allows them to get through it. It, it can get out aggression. It can get out pain. It can allow them to face, you know, whatever it is that they're going through in their lives. And then on the other side of it, if they realize it or not, subconsciously, they're actually working through physically what they need to sort out emotionally and mentally, and all this stuff, and they come out on the other side, and oh my gosh, this has nothing to do with what my body looks like, this has everything to do with me learning how to face real life, hard situations in a better way, and that is, that's like when it clicks, nothing makes me happier than I'm like, oh my gosh, you get it, you get it, this is a way that we can face the hard stuff, and the benefit is, yeah, we look great, we perform awesome, we feel strong. But at the end of the day, when you face something, sometimes you just you gotta let it you gotta let it out and you gotta really work through this stuff and it works. And I think that's an important thing because a lot of women tend to be intimidated by strength training, intimidated by weight training. But from what I hear you're saying, it sounds like if they start training, if they start doing strength training, picking up weights, that that leads to confidence. Is that something that I that is that something that a lot of women are, might be missing in their exercise program? Is that kind of like that extra amount? And we're not just talking about you and, you and I both know what weight training is. We're not. I'm not talking about yeah. light weights in some group exercise studio. If you're doing that, that's awesome. But I'm talking about serious strength training. Don't you think that's a key to developing self confidence? Is helping somebody learn how to use strength training properly? Absolutely. You know, and I think that regardless regardless of what you're lifting, lightweight, heavyweight, if you're bringing yourself to failure and you're facing failure on a regular basis. You can't tell me that you're going to face failure in your training routine and then decide to keep going. You can't tell me that that doesn't parlay into real life. You know, facing failure, deciding that, hey, you know what? I messed up and I failed here. I got to a point where I didn't think that I could keep on going anymore, but guess what? I got back up and I kept going. That's what applies in every aspect of your life. And, and I love that. And that's like, if it were up to me, Psychologists and psychiatrists and therapists, they would not be prescribing medication. They would be prescribing training programs. And that's how I think that it should be. So there's a lot of pill popping going on for things that just some exertion, some endorphins, and a better nutritional like breakdown will fix. And I just come from that point where it's like, yeah, I want everyone to look great, feel great, but at the end of the day, they have to they have to make it. Uh, about more than how they look. It's, it's what they're capable of. And uh, and that's just kind of like been my MO for a really long time. And I can speak from experience because having, you know, now been on a dozen magazine covers, I can tell you, being having a physique that people want to put on magazines is not enough. It is, it is not fulfilling. You've got to have more. And, and I think a lot of people get caught up in that, right? They get caught up in this whole image and how do you, you know, when you, when you see people that get caught up in, like, their appearance and their image, how do you flip, how do you get them to kind of back to the reality? And, and I guess why I ask that is, is because my approach is I really try to 
get people thinking about that fitness is more about freedom. Like if you're fit, Amber, you have freedom. You have choices in your life because you're fit. You have options for what you can do, for what you and your husband can do. You have a variety of choices. So it's not necessarily about exercise for the sake of looking good. It's about exercise for the sake of just living life better. Do you see people, do you see that transformation happen when people kind of free themselves up from this kind of being stuck of chasing that image to being able to say, wow, I just enjoy exercise because of how I feel? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. It's like it's like money, right? Everyone's like, oh, man, if I could just have this amount of money, if I could just have this amount of money in my bank account, I would be happy. And if you look at some of the richest people in the world, are they happy? Are they fulfilled? No, they're not. They still haven't found what it is that they thought that money would give them. And a body is the same way. It's like, ooh, if I could just look like her, I'd be happy. Okay, well, I challenge you. Go get that body. And there will still be something missing because the depth is is not there. So, and it's true. Yeah, being fit, you feel confident and you feel really good. But that only goes a short distance when you start to understand that being fit and um, you know taking care of your body. There's something mentally that happens when you know that you're doing your due diligence to uh, invest in yourself, and that is where the big change comes from. Because you're not going to bow out of opportunity. You're going to grab it. You're not going to avoid confrontation. You're going to go after it because you have you have a certain internal strength that you've built by going through external struggle. And that is kind of what people don't understand when they're just getting started. And when that kind of envelope opens up, it's so amazing to just watch them uh, kind of get it and oh my gosh, I I'm so happy. And I think that everyone has to go 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 attain that physical goal. Absolutely, I'm all in favor of that. Go get it. Then a lot of people kind of bounce back in the other direction, and then eventually they find this beautiful balanced place where they're going after strength, not necessarily like oh I need I need abs I need I need this, but they're going after like more performance goals. And they're like, hey, I'd like to run a line in eight minutes. Or, hey, I'd like to do this. And they have different goals. But I think that initially starting out, yeah, absolutely. Go get your physical goal. And then when it clicks, you start kind of toying around with different uh, training types and just finding, like, where's your home? Because we all live in a very different place when it comes to finding that sweet spot of who we are as an athlete. Like, if you're a dancer, dance. If you're a swimmer, swim. That's the thing. It's like finding what feeds you and makes you that person that can go out and just um, kind of... Well, if I... If I can bust in for one second on that note, sure, Amber, yeah. with that, if you're looking for your internal athlete, how'd you end up playing football? How'd you end up playing, you know, is that, you know, is that kind of, you know, did you have the confidence from your strength training and from your track background, did that give you the confidence to try something new about football? How'd you get involved in playing women's football? You know, it's, it's a very interesting story, and I had been in the modeling industry for quite some time. I had booked you know, all these covers, and like I was telling you about, like, uh, having this body and being on these, co- on these covers was not fulfilling, and I found that I was showing up on set, and it really didn't matter so much what I was capable of as long as I looked the part, and that really bugged me. Like, it bothered me to no end that I was being glorified on the cover of these magazines, but nobody knew if I could 
run a, you know, some six-minute mile or not, and I could, and it pissed me off that, you know, here I am, like, people just care about my abs, but they don't care that, like, I actually am capable of some really hard things. So, uh, I ended up leaving my, my modeling career, actually, and I just kind of dropped everything. I fell off the face of the planet for about a year and a half, and that was the time that I went out and I played football. And uh, I decided that I wasn't going to put my image first. I was going to put my talent first. And I, I really worked so hard. That was one of the hardest things that I've ever done. That went out when I was 28 years old. I was a little older than a lot of the girls that were playing. And I was a lot smaller. Um, so I'm not a very big girl. And I was playing uh, cornerback. And I was responsible for tackling a lot of very very muscular, heavy girls, and it wrecked me, but I, I loved nothing more, because then I knew, hey, this is not about what I look like. When I put that helmet on, guess what? It doesn't even matter. All that matters is, can I defend this line? Yes or no. And I had to, I had to prove it. Had no, nobody cared if I had been on the magazine covers or not. I had to put it out there. So uh, that's how I started. I always wanted to play football as a kid, and... Um, Finally, when I was in my later 20s, I was like, you know what, I'm going to know it never. <laughs> That's cool that you, you, you found something new and, and you took on a challenge because I think a lot of people would look at something like that and go, oh, that'd be cool, and they don't take, they don't take that step. What did that, how did, what did that do for you, the fact that you started a new sport a little bit later on? What did that do for you in terms of opening up the world that you could do different things? You know, it was, it was super humbling at first because I realized that a lot of the chicks that I was going to be playing against had already been playing for years. So it was very humbling. Like, you come from, I come from a super small town, you know, star athlete of that town, went, you know, on to run um, in college, but I was always kind of like a big fish in a smaller pond. And when I started playing football, I was a small fish in a big pond, and I had to really work at it, and I wasn't really used to that. I was used to being like, hey, I know that uh, I'm a really good player, I know that when it comes to endurance and that mental stamina, nobody has this in the bag more than I do, but football wasn't like that. I had to, like, literally, the picture that comes to mind when I think of football was I used to wake up in the morning, and I had to pick my own head up off the pillow with my hands because I couldn't... I had no strength in my neck left for being hit so hard. So I had to, like, pick up my own head off of the pillow. And that is, if I can think of a perfect analogy for how I felt, that, that's it. And, but I had to keep on showing up. And I didn't want to. I didn't want to get hit now one more time. And um, I had to keep showing up because I had a whole team now that I built this relationship with uh, that I wasn't going to let down. I wasn't going to not show up. And so that kind of taught me a lot about, especially community, uh, when it comes with females and stuff. We're way more pack animals than guys are. So uh, when we can plug into a pack, the, the probability of us sticking with it is way higher. Well, and that's, I'll make a comment real quick, just being around uh, women's rugby teams, is I, I would agree that the, when, when women are in a team in, in a sporting environment, it is really amazing to see how they coalesce around a common purpose. And as someone who's played and coached, I would much rather coach a women's club or a women's side than a men's side for that reason. Oh, yeah. you, there's, a much, there's a much stronger sense of shared purpose. And you have, in a sport like football, you would have 11 women 
going for, for a single purpose where sometimes you get guys, well, I got to play for my contract or I'm not getting my touches. I'm not getting my. So it's interesting to hear you say that. Um, on that note, I want to ask a couple other questions here uh, you know, before we get before we wrap up. I was looking through some of your, your information, and I found that you one of your favorite exercises are the push-ups. Why do you like the push-ups, and, and what, 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 why are they a part of your, your programs? I mean, what, what do you get out of them? So I started, uh, I don't remember when this was, but as a female, I was like, listen, I want to be able to do, like, 100 push-ups. I want to be able to do 100 push-ups. And then it turned into, I want to be able to do 200 push-ups. Well, however I break that up, it's set to 10, it's set to 25. I'm going to do my push-ups to failure until I reach 200. So, um, first of all, if I'm in a hotel room and I'm traveling and I'm on vacation and I'm limited out on space, I know that no matter where I am, I can do a push-up. If the push-up gets easy, I know that I can you know, get my feet up on something and um, I'm doing my push-up or decline push-up. Or I know that there's so many variations, the diamond push-up, of the push-up that taxes you. It's got, you know, core strength, chest, triceps, shoulders, everything. And I know that when I pair a push-up with an unbroken exercise, like a jump squat or whatever, I can do an entire, I can tax myself with two exercises at anywhere and not need a single piece of equipment. That's what I love. That's all. I mean, that's cool to hear you, you know, because it's obviously that, that you're passionate about it. One thing that I noticed in looking through stuff is that you, I found a great quote, um, Amber, and I would love to kind of have you expound upon it. You, 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 mm-hmm. I read something that you said that the fitness industry betrayed your sense of principles. You know, how? Because I would agree with you. There's a lot that commercial fitness gets right, but there's, there's an awful lot they get wrong. How would you say that the, the fitness business has, has kind of worked against what you hold in terms of your principles? You know, I think that there's, there's the commercial fitness world, which is like your Nikes and your Coles and your Dick Sportings and your Target and, you know, main, kind of mainstream. I don't, I'm okay with that. I think that they have to do what they do to speak to, you know, mainstream America. Then there's the fitness industry. And this is what I'm talking about. The fitness industry, a few years back, took a very bizarre turn, and it started to sell sex instead of fitness. And more and more people were gaining followings and um, attention by taking their clothes off. And, yeah, their bodies were beautiful. I'm sure they were athletic. And they worked very hard to look the way that they do, but it really started to kind of like get over my skin because I'm like, wait, guys, fitness and training and being an athlete is so much more than this. It is this has the capacity to get people off like prescription medication, and we're gonna sexualize it. I just felt that with what I've seen with people's transformation in their lives, that it deserves a little bit more respect and. Not to, like, you know, down anyone that decided to kind of go that route or whatever. That's their choice. If that makes them, you know, if that empowers them and empowers the people that are following them, that's great. But for me, it wasn't the route that I was going to go. So I kind of, like, I had to create some, kind of, like, polarizing stances. And I had to take some hard stands that I learned along the way that it wasn't always positioned properly because everyone's got their opinions. But... Yeah, when it came down to fitness, I was like, come on. And now you have, you compound this over-sexualization of fitness. And then you add on top of it these 
you know, shortcuts that people are taking with crazy fat burners, growth hormones, things like this, butt implants, uh, things like this. And it's just like, you guys... We, wait, wait, wait! Hold on, hold on one second, Amber. You mean that people, sure. people are, people are cheating and taking shortcuts, to change their appearance? Oh, yeah. Wait, wait, hold <laughs> on! Stop, stop the play! Wait, no! Don't tell me it's. You mean that the, the images I see aren't real? Those aren't people's real bodies? I mean, they're far and few between. I would say that it takes it takes some balls for people in fitness to just show people what's real, and I really try my my best to do that. And it just gets under my skin when someone's selling a glute program and their glutes are not real. That's not hard work. That's, that's, you know, you bought that. And I'm, whatever, that's your choice. I can't decide for you, but I can say that the general public that are, that are following you and really needing to be inspired are kind of getting short in the fit. Because when they do your glute program and they do it perfectly, guess what? That butt's never going to look like yours. Why? Because it's not real. And so I just, I just kind of like that. That's the sort of uh, the fitness aspect that really started to kind of uh, disappoint me, really. And because I've been a part of this industry for almost 15 years, and just watching that specific change was kind of a bummer, you know. And um, I found that people were more interested in the attention that they were getting than really helping people. And I think that as fitness influencers we are largely responsible for people and what they believe is real, what they believe is possible, and how they feel about themselves in general. And I wish that, and now more people are starting to really take responsibility as influencers and um, realize that, that it is so important to give people the truth and to really motivate them with what's real and thank God that's happening because we were hard up there for a while. <laughs> Well, no, and I, I, why? well, and I think that's, you know, and you're right. I, and, and that is, I, I, I'm glad that you said that because I, I agree 1,000%. I think in some ways seeing people's bodies can motivate, motivate people maybe to take that first step and become more active. But in other ways, I really think it's harmful that we make it all about the external appearance. And, and when you put that in the context of you playing football, I mean, you're living that. You're not just talking about it, but you're living that because you said, hey, I'm not just a good-looking body. I'm going to go out and use it and show you what I can do. On that note, what type of coaches, whether it's your track and field career, whether it's your football career, your, your fitness, have you, what type of coaches have really influenced you the most and how? You know, I have to say that it's really just one. It was the, the coach that I had when I was both in middle school and in high school. He came. He was on the Olympic training staff for cross-country skiers. This guy, like, eats, sleeps, breathes training, and he was having us do, when I was in, I think I was in sixth grade, exercises, uh, like, hip-style workouts with the Bosu ball. When the Bosu ball first came out, before it was even sold by anyone, we were using it. So cutting-edge training at, like, sixth and seventh graders. This is unheard of. So I started going to the weight room before school, starting when I was a freshman in high school. I think maybe even eighth grader. So as an eighth grader, I'm getting up at five o'clock in the morning. I am at the gym by five thirty. I'm working out. School starts at seven. And that was just kind of my routine because the coach that I had, he was so all in that as an athlete of his, 
anything less was a non-negotiable. So if he was showing up at, you know, 6 o'clock in the morning, I was showing up at 6 o'clock in the morning. And he became this kind of figure to me that I was, I never wanted to disappoint. Because his expectations were so high. And in the fifth grade, he picked me out of his gym class and he was like, dude, you're going to be a star. In that, in that moment, just that one single person looking a little fifth grade girl in the eye and saying, man, you got something special. You can't replace that. And so that kind of like, that dictated a trajectory in my life that I never really anticipated. Now looking back on it, I'm like, oh, for sure. When, you know, I had trained a deal at the training center in Lake Placid, New York, um, there, I just trained hard. It wasn't a decision. It was, it was a given. It was like a fourth minute mark because this man believes in me right now. So I think that that's why I love coaching so much is because I realized the potential that, A, nobody's ever heard what they're capable of before and that somebody believes in them. And, B, you know, the sky is really the limit. When you speak, like, right words into someone, that thing can just grow and grow and grow. And then you can do the same thing for other people. That, that's powerful because I don't think people realize. I think a lot of people will exercise, Amber, and not realize the, the, the benefit they could get from a coach. So when you work with somebody, what's, what's kind of the surprise? What's, what have you heard from clients that you've worked with? Like, wow, I didn't expect this from our, our coach-client relationship. You know, when I work with somebody one-on-one, I think that everyone's like, oh, I didn't realize how normal you are. <laughs> yeah. And that's like a, a gift to me because I never want to be on a pedestal. Whenever I, you know, post an event or, you know, run a training program or, you know, work with someone one-on-one, in my mind, I am no different than them. And so we just have a friend's conversation. And we're like, hey, let's be real. This is going to be hard. This is, you know, how, what I want to make sure that you're getting right. If you don't, that's okay. Um so I think that people are always just shocked at how much more alike we are. They are a lot like me. And I think that when you can relate with someone on that level, um, it is it's really helpful. You know, and nobody wants to feel like they're kind of out there uh, on their own. And so uh, I think that's the biggest thing that people have said is, like, well, you really want me because you're relatable and you're real. And you tell, you know, I'll tell anybody anything about my past, about um you know, what I do to stay fit, and my information is your information. You shouldn't have to, you shouldn't have to have money to have health. That is what I believe. That, that's a, I like that quote. You don't have to have money to have health. Now, just so you can be a little more relatable, and as we wrap up, I want to ask you, if you don't mind, a couple personal questions. One is I noticed in your Instagram feed that you have a newest, a newish, uh, a newish, a newish, sorry, that you have a newish piece on your, I think it's at your right arm. You have a recent uh, a new uh, new artwork on either, is it your right oh, form? Oh yeah. Yep. And what what is what does that represent? What's that symbol of? So I it's funny because I was filming a training program out in Boise, Idaho, and so uh, I found this artist on one and this is something it's like a cross on my forearm that I had saved. I had saved on my phone for a couple of years, and I just randomly booked it, not anticipating that I was going to go like all in. But, and that's just kind of me. I'm like, either you do it or you don't. Like, go in or go home. <laughs> so, that's how I kind of approach this kind of tattoo thing. And, 
Um, so it's a big, it's a cross on my forearm, and I am, you know, outside of training and outside of anything else, my faith is the most important thing to me, and I can't see the two separate, actually. My faith and my training go hand in hand. Anything that I've learned about life and struggle is how I see uh, struggle in training, in lifting. It's all about, you know, failure, accepting, and then getting back to the table and sailing better than that plan. No matter, like, I'm never going to be perfect. And life is the same way. We're never going to be perfect people. But it's, what do we take away from when we don't get it right? Do we do we make an adjustment? Do we fix our form, so to say? Um, yeah, definitely. So, yeah, this piece is it's big. It's um, just a big cross. And I look at it now, I'm like, damn. I should have gone a little bit bigger, <laughs> but you know, my arm's only so big, and my mom's gonna have to work with the space that you're given. And then, and then the yeah. final question. So people, because I, you know, I, I have a very, you know, I, I might be a little bit older than you. I think I'm a few, I'm about ten years older than you. And growing up, uh, I had very eclectic music taste. I saw on one of your Instagram posts that you had a Joy Division T-shirt, and I, you know, it's been years since I've listened to them. What kind of, what are your musical tastes? I mean, Joy Division is, is a very kind of obscure British, if I remember, kind of a late 70s, early 80s British punk uh, band. What type of music do you listen yeah. to? What, what gets you moving? So I have, it's, it's not so much a music collection. I have a very eclectic t-shirt collection. I'm a band shirt. Like, I love any band shirt. So I started wearing these Metallica shirts. And my husband, who is a big, like, hard rock metal fan, Ah, uh, like, okay. He's like, unless you listen to Metallica, you can't wear that shirt. And I was like, what do you mean? I love this shirt. I'm no, 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 no. Bamba, I agree. I'm, I'm with your, I'm with your husband 100. Yes. percent You have to listen to the band to wear the band. Sorry, go ahead. Exactly. So now all of these shirts, like Led Zeppelin and Metallica, like um, all these amazing shirts that I have, I'm now listening to all this music, and he takes me to the movies and sing like. Rock Weekend, so my first launch hit ever, which was basically like football, was to Metallica, and it was nice. So when I'm just on my own, the music that I choose is actually quite shocking to people. Um, I listen to a lot of like old 60s style, like jazz, soul. Um, I love like Ed James and Elvis Fitzgerald. Unfortunately, they don't sell t-shirts, but um, <laughs> so I love that style. And then uh, when I train, I actually listen to like battle music, like epic score type, uh, like Zach Kempsey, things like that, without any words. That is like oh wow, score. yeah, that's cool. I hadn't thought about that, but I like the soundtrack yeah. idea. That's really yeah, cool. Yeah, I really like it. And now this program that you're doing with Oxygen, can you tell us a little bit about this program, this coaching program that you're doing? What's it involved and how can people find out about it? So this is a 90-day transformation to the Oxygen Challenge. Don't get the word transformation confused. There's going to be multiple ways in which they are going to gain what a transformation actually means. So it's a 90-day program. I've written... Every single one of these workouts, I wrote a whole nutrition protocol, and I think that's the one thing that's important to say, because a lot of the um, programs out there are not written by the personality that you buy from. They're written by you know, people that they have working with them. So I wrote the whole thing myself. And it starts, it's all uh, can be done at home. It's body weight and dumbbells and one kettlebell needed. That's it. 
And uh, it's like it starts and it progresses. So the first 30 days, it's kind of like a detox, foundational type uh, month. And then the second 30 days, you go into a little bit more advanced. You add some sports performance in there. Um, I'm giving people options to try, try different nutrition protocols that they may not be familiar with, like you know, intermittent fasting or carb cycling. Um, and then the third phase goes into like an advanced like lifestyle training, very advanced, a lot of compound movements, a lot of uh, plyometrics paired with compound movements. So it gets intenser towards the end. And so it's 90 days total, starts on May 6th. Um, Oxygen's website has all the information. If you go to my Instagram, uh, which is Amber Dogboy, D-O-D-Z-W-E-I-T, you can find a link in my bio directly to sign up for my team. So it's me and another girl who are the head coaches. She's a CrossFitter. Uh, her name is Camille. I can't pronounce her last name very hard. Um, but she's amazing. I love her to pieces. Um, but you choose a, a coach. You can actually sign up for both coaches. And uh, we go through this 90 days together, and I coach you through, I touch base with everybody through a private Facebook page, and we check in and chat and uh, all that stuff. So I'm super excited about it. No, it sounds like an awesome program. I'm sitting here thinking, well, I'm not the right gender, but I don't know if I can get something out of that. I mean, I think anybody, I think anybody could get something out of the program. And I want to thank you so much for your time. It really is. It's a lot of fun to speak with you and get to know you a little bit. It sounds like you're, you're motivated, you're passionate, and you really care about the people that you work with, and you care about seeing them get better. So I want to thank you for what you're doing, and thank you for your time. Definitely. Thank you so much, Kate. First, I want to get a little plug in here. Check out below in the show notes. There's always a lot of information in the show notes. On this episode, though, what's very important, if you like if you like what Amber's talking about, if you like her story, her background, she is doing a coaching program starting in May of 2019. I'm going to have the information down below. Um, I'm going to she, Amber is starting a, a coaching program in May of 2019. I'm at, with Auction Magazine. I'm going to have information below about how you can get signed up for it and take this opportunity as a first step to change your life. That's really, if you're looking for something to kind of get off, you're looking to change your routine. We got summertime coming up. Check out, I'm going to have the information about Amber, the auction program, and what you can do working out from your own home down below. Secondly, if you want more information about how you can design your own exercise program, check out my book, Smarter Workouts, The Science of Exercise Made Simple. Again, there's a link down below. Now I want to talk about that interview. Again, Amber's not somebody I know, and I say that because I do get stuck in that trap of reaching out to fitness experts who I've worked with or have a relationship with. I like the opportunity to get to know new people. That's one of the reasons why I love doing this podcast. So meeting a coach like Amber, hearing her story, and hearing how what I love about this is the fact that she didn't want to just go through the motions and be seen as somebody who's fit. She wanted to challenge herself, so she went out and played football. She didn't need to. She was an NCAA athlete. She competed in steeplechase. That's a challenging event. She is having some success as a model. She's being successful as a trainer. Yet here she is. She wanted to challenge herself and said, you know what? That's not enough. I'm going to go out and learn a new sport. And football is a tough sport. It's physical. You will get hit. It's not an easy sport to walk out on the field and say, yeah, I'm going to go give this a try. You know, basketball, you know, primarily a non-contact sport, but you're not getting knocked to the ground in basketball or baseball or a lot of other sports that people can play. So for somebody like that, I have a lot of respect 
for somebody who says, you know what? I don't want to just look good. I want to go out and do this. That's what fitness is about, folks. Fitness is about having the option. If you want to play a sport, go out and play that sport. If you want to learn something new, if you want to learn how to dance, if you want to learn a new exercise format, if you want to become an instructor yourself, if you see this, if you go, wow, you know, I don't like my job. Blah. You know, you want to do something new. You too can become a trainer. You too can go out and change people's lives. Just my one of my latest podcasts, I go through the whole how you become certified process. So check back. It's one of the previous podcasts right before this one, and it goes into the certification process. But what you can't do, what you can't teach, and what we heard in this interview today is the passion that Amber has. Amber, you know, you heard how she was motivated from a coach early on. Amber is motivated to help others. That's her passion. A lot of us that work in fitness, we are motivated to help you change your life. We happen to do it through fitness. There are other people out there that are doctors, lawyers, Indian chiefs, you know, politicians, all that stuff. They're trying to do better good. But you have to understand, those of us that work in the fitness industry, we are trying to change your life, but we're doing it in a different way. We're helping you move better. We're helping you burn more calories. We're just helping you learn how to own your body and get more out of it. So whether you work with a coach like Amber, whether you buy my book, or whether you start walking around the block, the important thing is that you have choices. You have the option. Your better life can start right now. Your better health can start right now. Your future can start right now, and you can change everything through exercise. You don't need to lift a ton of weight. You don't need to crush yourself. The only thing that people need to do with a regular basis is be active, get up, and move. Walking around the block today leads to a marathon before you know it. Take that first step. Go around that block. Go down the block. Go to the end of your driveway because you did something good. Just start somewhere. And somewhere along the line, if there's a coach that motivates you, like Amber, work with that coach because it will help you in more ways than you can even hear. I mean, you heard Amber talk about that. Yeah, we, we start exercising because we want the appearance, but that confidence from picking up that weight, that confidence from pushing through that hard part, that's what really changes your life, folks. When you look at something and when you look at a tough situation, and we all have gone through tough situations, when you look at a tough situation, you keep your chin up, you keep your shoulders back, and you know you're going to get through it because you know you can pick up that heavy weight. That, that is the benefit of strength training. And that's what coaches like Amber, that's what people like myself, that's what we're trying to give you. Thanks for joining me for this episode of All About Fitness. I look forward to having you drop by for future episodes. You can connect with me on Instagram, Pete McCall underscore fitness on Instagram. That's Pete McCall underscore fitness on Instagram. And you can email me at allaboutfitnesspodcast at gmail.com. That's the allaboutfitnesspodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for stopping by. And I look forward to having you join me for future episodes of All About Fitness. <laughs>